You are listening to the Estheticians Earning More podcast with Brittany Hageman, episode number 87. Welcome to the Estheticians Earning More podcast. On this podcast, we talk about how to love your esthetician business without the hustle, exhaustion, or overwhelm as it booms into a successful business. I teach simple ways how to approach your business that gives you your life back while still growing a profitable business. I grew BLH Beauty in San Diego to a six-figure business, and I learned a lot along the way, which I'm excited to share with you here. So let's get started. Hello, hello, and welcome back. Happy Friday. Happy Thanksgiving. If you celebrate, if you are in the U.S., and if you celebrate Thanksgiving, I hope you had a nice Thanksgiving. And I hope that today you are doing whatever you want to do, whether that means you're working, you're having a sale, you're going out shopping sales, you're with loved ones, you're totally by yourself watching TV, (laughs) whatever it is, I hope it's just exactly what you want it to be. Um, As we go into the holidays or continue in the holidays, there's always a lot of expectations. And so I hope you just do what you want. (laughs) That's my hope for you today. Uh, today's episode is with Megs Saxton. She does eyebrows in Chico, California. And this is such a great episode to listen to if you really need help valuing yourself, valuing your work, taking the time that you need for your business, for yourself. Um, she talks about threading, which as you, if you listen to the episode, you'll see I didn't know she did threading. I thought she did waxing. And so I was like, oh my gosh, tell me more. It was so fun. She also talks about how she teaches threading. So if you want to learn threading after listening to this episode, if you've already been interested and you're like, yes, I want to learn. She does virtual training. She explains it in this episode. Um, the link is in the show notes with more information. Uh, let me tell you a little more about Megs. The Eyebrow Goddess is a labor of love. Megs, the owner, is an eyebrow expert specializing in threading. She fell in love first with aesthetics, then really sealed the deal when she found threading. She's branched out on her own as a solo esthetician and online educator. Offering treatments such as brow lamination, brow shaping, and most recently lash lifts. When she's not in the studio, she's training other beauty professionals in the art of threading. Welcome, Megs, to the podcast. Here is our episode. I um, loved learning more about her, and I know you will too. Tell me what you think. Have a fantastic week, and I will talk to you next week. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here, Megs. I'm so excited to have you. You too. Um, So tell us what you do and where you are. So I'm based out of Northern California, and I am an esthetician. And I specialize in eyebrows. So I have niched down um, over the years. And now I really just specialize in eyebrows. And I do a little bit of um, training on the side as well. Oh, wow, cool. Okay. And so yeah. when did you go to esthetician school? Was it right out of high school? Or tell me about that whole journey. So I actually, um, right out of high school, I graduated a little bit early from high school. And then I went right into college, spent a little time in college, realized it was definitely not for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then um, I was working at the time and actually a, like a dental style office. So um, I started to go into like the RDA program, which is another trades type school. Okay. And um, they were at capacity. So I ended up not getting in 
which I always feel like is like the biggest blessing because I definitely don't think it would have been for me long term. But that like triggered my like, what other trade schools are there? Like, if college wasn't for me, what can I go do like in a quicker um, time frame? Okay. And like, you know, find another career essentially. And um, I found aesthetics and I had never heard of it before, which is so funny. I was probably, I mean, 18, 17, 18, when I started looking into it and I was like, what is this? And um, I started doing some research and really just fell in love with it. And then um, after working a little bit, I took the leap and went to aesthetic school and I graduated or graduated slash got my license about um, five or six years ago. Okay. And I I've been doing aesthetics ever since. The first year was definitely very um, interesting, I guess you could say. I really had no idea what I wanted from it because, mm-hmm. I mean, as you know, when you become an esthetician, it's kind of crazy. Like the whole world is open to you. There's so many options. Mm-hmm. And I really wasn't sure. I, I think I was just like very excited by everything that there was to offer. So I wasn't really sure what I wanted. So I decided sure. just to kind of jump in and try everything. Mm-hmm. Um when I was younger and in high school, I had acne. So, um, that was kind of one of my big pulls. And I feel like for a lot of estheticians, having trouble skin is like a really big pull and interest into our industry. Mm -hmm. So I, um, began my skincare journey first and, um, right off the bat, I went on my own, which we all know is just a crazy leap. (laughs) It is crazy. (laughs) It's such a crazy leap. And I did really well in school. So like I had regulars in school. So I kind of just assumed, which is such an assumption, um, that they would follow and then I would be able to pick up and everything. And, um, I started with Dermalogica, which I felt like was a really good jumping off point. I mean, their education is really great. So I think that for beginners, it was really nice Mm -hmm. and helpful. Um, and I kind of dabbled in waxing and, you know, kind of just doing like the jack of all trades that we do when we're not really sure what we want to do. Mm -hmm. And, um, I kind of flunked, you know, I kind of just failed, flailed and failed a little bit on that one. And, um, but I really feel like it was a great learning experience that like, wow, I kind of need more experience in general. Like, what do I want to do? So I kind of backpedaled, took a little time off of aesthetics and then dove back in and started at a um, plastic surgeon's office. And they were also carrying Dermalogica, so that made me feel a little more confident I had already trained with them. Um, but I realized that it was very tricky. It's a very tricky window of aesthetics because you have to find a certain type of clientele that works within that nine to five, which is mm-hmm. really hard, especially when you're just starting out to have such a small window of time um, for appointments. Right. So, um, that ended up just not being for me. I didn't really like the clinical side of it. And I started to realize that I liked more of the relaxation side. And so that kind of helped steer me a little bit. And then I was just kind of jumping around, um, in my hometown Chico and I was trying to find like places that were just available. You know, at the end of the day, I really just wanted to work in aesthetics and have like a paying job. Mm -hmm. So, um, I kind of just let go of what I was hoping for. Okay. And I stumbled into a small business, um, that specialized in, it was like a little boutique. So I had a makeup store up front and then we did, um, eyebrows and wedding makeup in the okay. back area. So there I learned the art of threading. 
Um, and I absolutely fell in love with eyebrows. So I hated doing them in beauty school, which is so funny to me. And then I learned threading and I like literally haven't even looked back since. I just absolutely fell in love with brows. And then I worked there for about two, two and a half years. And then I went out on my own and I've been in my own business since. Wow. <laughs> I So I thought you did waxing this whole time. I didn't know you did threading. Yeah. So I, I do do a little, I dabble in waxing. Of course, I love to have the option open for both uh, any type of clientele, but I specialize in threading. So my clientele is probably 80 to 90% threading. Wow. Yeah. So I'm in the Bay area. And so Chico's not that far from me. I feel like no, I should no, no, come no. and get my eyebrows thread. I've never had my eyebrows threaded before. Oh my gosh. Yes. Come see me. I would I'm, love that. Yeah. Okay. Wait. So I have a question to some of the things you said. So what's an art, what's RDA? RDA is a registered dental assistant. Ah, okay. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I know. I forgot. I'm like, just throwing out lingo. <laughs> like, what is that? I don't know what that is. I it was like, okay, great. Okay. So why were you interested in that initially? So I was working within um, the office already. So I had been there for a few years. Um, it was a local orthodontist and I had gone to him when I was a kid and I knew uh, the staff for such a long time. So I just felt comfortable there. And I was okay. like, well, maybe this can be, I already had my foot in the door. I'll go to school. I'll come in here and maybe like work part-time and then work at other offices. Um, the cool thing with our community in particular within the dental uh, field, they're all really close knit. So we would mm -hmm. have like this group picnic that they put mm -hmm. on every year. And so we would actually meet all of the um, people that were involved. So I knew a lot of different offices. So it just felt like a really comfortable next step. Yeah. Just go to dental school. We already know everybody. So that was kind of like my thought process in that. Okay. Sense. How funny. Okay. So then your first year, so you said you were dabbling in acne and Dermalogica. Mm -hmm. And then what do you mean by you flunked? I think that that I love so much that you shared that. Like, Meg, <laughs> I just have to tell you that. Like, I love so much that you share that because, because what I know any newer esthetician or even esthetician who's been at their own business for a while, they, all they see on Instagram, of course, is like the people who are like very doing very well or, or appear to be doing very well. Who knows actually what their books look like and how much yeah. money they're actually bringing in. Um, and so that there's, it's like, everyone's like how, like it is this fake version of what it should look like. And totally. very people will not tell you their fails because they're humiliated by them. And so yes. I, I love so much that you're, so what does that mean that you flunked? I feel like it's just so, I like, I completely agree with everything that you just said, because I feel like, I mean, I think a lot of people talk about it all the time that Instagram is such a highlight reel. And I, I have definitely been somebody that has like preached transparency since I opened my business. I feel like, I mean, I tell my failures to my clients. I tell my failures to my Instagram um, audience. And I just feel like it's so important to just be realistic. And then it helps other people feel more motivated. Like, yes. oh, I'm not the only one slipping and sliding here and there. And I think that our failures are such a big part of how we've accomplished what we've accomplished. I mean, I wouldn't be where I was had I not done well that first time. Totally. And what I mean by that was that I just, I wasn't sure of what I was doing. So I didn't know how to market. I didn't know how to get clients in the door. Um, all I did was my education and I thought that they would just come. Mm. And so it was just such a learning experience. Well, time after time, I would get a waxing client and have like a full panic because I wasn't, it was like, you know, my first time doing it out of school. And it's like, it would have been so much nicer to have a helping hand or yes. like a manager or something had I worked at an actual, um, I don't know, like anything other than myself. Like if I yes. worked under somebody in some caliber. And so I feel like my version of failing was just that I 
had to keep my part-time job um, and it was it was just paying for my, my totally. um, rent like it really wasn't making any money yeah money was just leaving <laughs> you know and that's normal I feel like yes. for a lot of businesses when we're first opening you know you yes. don't really see a profit for a minute but at that time it was so overwhelming that I knew if I stuck it out any longer I would like completely hate aesthetics and I would probably yeah. leave because yeah. it was just so temeculous and so difficult and to have to split my time in my small, in my part-time job and trying to run this small business that I had Mm -hmm. no idea how to run. It was just too much. So my version of failing was just being so overwhelmed that Mm -hmm. I had no idea what I was doing. And I'm a really, really, really big believer in education. So when I was having that like kind of rock bottom experience, I just completely stepped back and reevaluated and then just decided to start from scratch. And Mm. that my version of starting from scratch was just going back to the drawing board and working under some people and gaining more experience. Right. Right. So then, okay. So then you had, did you have a space that you had rented and then the, the lease was up or something? Is that how you walked away? This is actually one of my favorite stories about my aesthetics career, because it's such a cute little like full circle moment. Um, when I went out on my own, I was like a fresh brand new baby. I had just gotten my license. Um, I had no experience or anything. And we have a lot of like really cool little salons in town. Um, and we have like this really cute downtown area. So when I was out on my own, I was like looking for places to rent and I stumbled upon this place down in our downtown area and I just like adored it. It was so cute. Um, It felt very city-like and we're a very small town. So it was very fun. Um, The salon was in a um, downstairs area on the street and then I had to go upstairs and I had like this kind of overseeing of the downtown area. So it was a really cute little space. I adored it, but it was not functional for someone who didn't have clientele. Given the fact that yes. I didn't have any street view, yeah. um, walk-ins were very difficult. I had to like walk downstairs and go around to the salon to grab my client and go walk rec- and oh, walk yeah. up with them. So it was just such a nightmare for someone who didn't have regular clientele. And um, I had just stumbled upon the space, uh, met the owner. She was a sweetheart and just kind of fell in love with from there. And then you know how that went. Yeah. Um, But then later on, when I was leaving my previous job before owning my business, I actually reached back out to the owner and I went a space from the same person that I rented from my very first (laughs) space. That's so sweet. It's a different space. Um, So we actually moved locations. um, So it's not the exact same salon, but I rent from the same owner. So I work within a a hair studio called Envy and it's the same owner, even though we're at a different location now. I love that. That's so cute. Yeah. Okay. okay so cool. then you said you took this break. So you took time off. How long time did you take off? And what did you do in that time? Um, so I just, uh, I, <laughs> we kind of like, we moved to Oregon, which was like a huge change. So we like left California. I was just, I think that's why I call it a flailing. Cause I really just didn't have any direction at that point. And, you know, like we said earlier, you feel like such a failure after failing anything. I mean, obviously, um so I kind of just didn't know what I wanted and I think I thought that like removing myself from the situation would help like bring me back so um we were in Oregon I ended up just working like part-time full-time jobs like doing you know nothing related to aesthetics at all and I believe it was about maybe just shy of a year that I had time off and then um I was with my husband and um uh 
we kind of just like we're in Oregon and we were like what are we doing here like we loved the location we were in Eugene and Springfield it was a gorgeous area but like everything else didn't feel right so like I was like I'm not working in aesthetics the licensing transfer was a little bit trickier then I think it's changed now okay um but like then it was like going back to school again and I was like okay I literally just got out like <laughs> I don't know that I want to go do that all over again just to work here where I'm not really sure I want to work here right um so I dabbled in a few um interviews just getting to know different areas up there and like do I want to go do I want to pursue aesthetics up here and then ultimately we just like missed home and like mm-hmm. um since we didn't have anything permanent up there we were like why why stay so we came back to California and once I got back into California that's when I um started to look for other aesthetics jobs and I worked at that um plastic surgeon so okay. just shy of an, a year that I had time off not doing anything aesthetics related and then came back into that job okay and then when you got the plastic surgeon jobs you said that um the nine to five client was hard. Were you responsible for finding new clients? Is, or were you just like bored during the day? Like, what was that like? Yeah. So that was an interesting, um, job. It was all commission-based. Um, so oh, okay. I didn't actually work for the, the practitioner. Um, I worked uh, with them, but, um, he was new to the area. So okay. he didn't have a set clientele. So it was my responsibility to bring people in. Okay. And as you know, that's so difficult just period, let totally. alone having such a structured time frame. Yes. So anybody that I was getting interested in um coming in was not available during that nine to five okay. because it was literally their work shift. So um that was really tricky. And then I just felt really frustrated. And the other thing was that I wasn't actually required to be there. So I was like never there sure. just sitting. And I felt very uncomfortable because when I came into that position, like the room was already like fully decked out and set up. So I kind of just like walked in, which was, I feel like for anybody new would be a a dream. Like you don't have to do anything like the entire treatment room set up. But for me, I was like, wait, I had already had my own where I got to set everything up how I wanted. And so I came in and I, it just felt very sterile. Uh And that's when I realized that the medical side of aesthetics was never going to be for me. I really, really enjoyed the spa aspect Mm -hmm. that was, you know, dim the lights, not walking through a medical office to get to the treatment room. You know, it was just very not me. Um, So I jumped around and I did several interviews at other spas and things like that. And then ended up landing the one at that little boutique. And I'm so glad that I did. Yeah. Okay. How long were you with the plastic surgeon? Um, a handful of months. It was okay. not very long. It was very short lived. Yeah. And, and just also for the listener, I, I know that my, I, that was my first aesthetics job too, which was a hundred percent commission totally against the law. Yeah. <laughs> You're in California. I don't know about the other States, but dude, that is against the law. Any new yes. people out there working, he broke the law. The person who I worked for totally broke the law because we didn't use our own supplies. It wasn't your own stuff. That yes. you were using, so it was totally against the law. Yeah. Yeah. And I hear about that so much and it's so sad because I, I, and of course when you're new, you don't know, No, you don't. like, they're not very good about, I feel like in our like schooling or anything beyond to teach that Um, even our insurance. I don't feel like my insurance was even like, Hey, that's not how that should be, you know, like anywhere that you would go to seek out information when you're new, they don't tell us that, which is so sad. Um, and I feel like I didn't hear about any of that until my current salon owner and she's kept me up on more things that are because she's having to deal with employees, whereas I don't have any employees. So yeah. she'll be talking to me and I'm like, what? <laughs> like, things are triggering in my mind. I'm like, hey. <laughs> wait a minute. And it's so sad that new SDs get so taken advantage yes. of at times. Yeah. And so I also had a job, um, right when I became an esthetician where I did makeup, but it was a contract rule. Cause I did provide my own makeup and every job she would be like, do you want to do this Saturday? Yes or no. And I never, I never was given a schedule. I was never given 
um, time, like you have to come in. And I, so that was, so that was a con that was a contract job. Every single job was, was a yes or no. I never had to say yes. There was never like, but we need you. And there's no, yeah. one else. like it, like she had about six contractors that worked for her and she oh. always gave me first priority. Cause she loved like, her and I were close, um, friends before we, I did makeup for her. And then she, obviously we liked working together, but when I stopped working for her, I just stopped taking jobs. And I was like, I'm just not taking any jobs anymore. Cause I was working working for myself by then. But anyway, so that was a, a true contracting job. Like mm -hmm. I would invoice her based on how many faces I did on our agreed rate. And I provide my own supplies. And I also didn't have, um, like, again, I could say no to any, uh, there was no requirements. It's so cool to hear that because I feel like it's so rare to hear rare. that structure. Like, I don't like, that's probably the first time that I've heard of even remotely that type of work. And I feel like that would be so great. You know, yeah. even if it was just like on the side while you're it trying was. to get yeah. your business. Yeah, exactly. And I just feel like, I wish that there was more people that would, um, or like bosses that would offer that as an option because or, yeah. I feel like it would work really well for some newer essays or people who are just like wanting to try, you know, multiple things at once and not have it all weigh on their shoulders. Yes. Um, but so it's, that's hard, really cool. it's hard if you're doing skin or, you know, cause you can't bring your skin, like you can't bring your table, you can't bring your towels, like you just provide all of that. Oh yeah. My, so, um, I've talked to this about other estheticians before, and um, I talk about this with my students when I do, because I do, I provide threading training. So um, when I talk to my students about that, I just like, one of my big draws is the fact that like the threading is so small and easy to move around. So like I've yes. done pop-ups and different things like that. And it's a really cool, it's nice to have that flexibility. Yes. Um, and I think that like, I think that's why I've always loved brows too, because it can be such an easy add-on. So no yeah. matter like what your, uh, position is in the skincare world like whether you're focused on skincare or what it whatever it may be it's cool to have an option of something that you can take and do mobily totally. I think with COVID when it hit it kind of made us realize like oh shit if I can't be in the studio what can I do yeah. and so it's really nice to have that adaptability and like um flexibility yes absolutely and you know not I mean my I did acne and you can't do acne <laughs> and you can't double with acne you know so yeah it oh, absolutely. depends on what you do yeah yeah totally so then, okay. So that one of the things you said that that was really interesting before you worked at the boutique, you let, you said you let go of what you were hoping for. Tell me more about that. Yeah. I think that, um, when you, I don't know, when you stumble a little bit and like, and I think you tend to like, especially when it, like I said, it had been like a year since I got my license. Right. So when things don't go as expected, I think that the the passion and the excitement start to die. And so I think me letting go of what I thought it would be helped me stay on target. Like I yes. still want to be in aesthetics. So like down to my core, I knew I still wanted to be in the aesthetic world. So I needed to let go of whatever I thought it was supposed to be so mm -hmm. that I could remain in it. I think that if I would have held on to like these, you know, dreams, I guess you could say that I wasn't, that were very piped up. Um, I would have, failed I would have just left aesthetics I think it would have been too difficult to try and find this version that I had piped up in my head yeah and so I think letting go and just looking at anything that was available in my town like I think it just kind of was like pick your poison like <laughs> I want to be in this place I want to have this job but I'm not going to limit myself any further yeah and so I think that helped me just look at all of my options and I think also like on the flip side when you are newer to the industry 
I think anything sounded exciting. Mm. So like letting go of what I thought I was going to do and then just looking at aesthetics from a different like lens helped me just be like, okay, well, this is exciting. If I work here, this is still exciting. Like I'm still working. And especially having that little like less than a year break from aesthetics working as in just like a regular nine to five job. I was like, wow, I really don't want to do this. Mm. But I think that helped me steer right back. And then I just kind of like let go and it helped me find, you know, that job that I really loved before going out on my own. And so I think a lot of just, I mean, just being an adult in general is letting go of, of like your childhood dreams almost, you know, I wasn't a child, but I was young, young and innocent and naive. And so I think letting go of some of these like ideas of what life should be is really important just to let yourself kind of go and mm-hmm. then see what happens so what was the ideal that you had that you let go of what was that I like? think that I think like most of us you know like being able to just go out on our own and immediately start and everybody wants to come in and see you you know like I was just gonna open my doors and have clients no problem <laughs> and you know I think we have that that the very enticing, you make your own schedule, you decide when you want to be there, you decide exactly what you want to do. I think my dream was just the massive amount of freedom that this industry Mm. has. And it felt so backwards to go work for somebody when I went to this school, this trade school, got this license in order to have freedom. Yeah. And so I think we get very excited. I mean, that's extremely enticing. Sure. <laughs> Being able to do whatever you want, whenever you want is extremely exciting. And it's definitely not accurate. <laughs> I mean, most <laughs> of us, we leave those jobs and go, oh, I'm so glad I'm not working nine to five so that I can work 24 <laughs> seven. Right. But you know, at the end of the day, it's like, you just think, I, I don't know, you know, it's just, it's a false reality. Um, yeah. And, you know, we don't know that we, we think that like everything is just going to be perfect. I mean, at that time, thankfully social media wasn't as big. Okay. Um, I couldn't imagine being a, a young essay now and seeing like what people are doing on social media, like these huge estheticians with these huge followings and like these brand deals and da, 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 da. like, I feel like my dream world would have been a lot larger. Um, I'm glad that it was a little more, more realistic than I think some people would see in comparison. Um, but yeah, I think it was just the freedom at the end of the day. Yeah. I think that was just so enticing, which it still is. I mean, I still think that that's like the greatest part of this flexibility in our industry. Yeah. But what you said is so true is, is so many estheticians work 24 seven. So they actually yeah. have no freedom. No, not so, not at all. I mean, here we are on my day off and I'm like, oh. Oh, this is so much fun, but you know, you know, we're always doing things yeah. like, um, and at the end of the day, I think that our idea of freedom is so different because like, yeah. do I actually feel like I'm working 24 seven? No. Am yes. I? Yeah, absolutely. hundred <laughs> percent. But you know, I love it. We love it. So that's why we're here. And you know, there's no part of the massive amount of work that entails running your own business that isn't exciting. And I think that's a fun part of the industry and continued education. I mean, I've always been a huge continued education person and I think it keeps things exciting. Yeah. So even though we're working and slaving away, like it's just always really exciting. I think um, the other thing that makes it doable is the relationships that we build with our clientele. Yeah. I don't think I would have gone this far had I not met the wonderful people that I've met and, and like the life experiences, the fact that we get to go through these people when they get engaged, when they get married, when they have babies, like, or they graduate high school, they go to college, you know, any of those things, it's so rewarding that I think everything that's so difficult, it's worth it. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I mean, you don't have to work 24 seven either. You no. can just not respond. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> you don't have to do this. <laughs> as, as if you listen to this podcast, you know, I teach that you don't actually have to work. Right. <laughs> I think all of us are constantly striving for better work. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, it's really like you have to have boundaries with yourself. Like yes. I just oh, don't absolutely. check my social media on weekends. Cause if I would, I would just work the whole time. Absolutely. Right. So you just can't you have to like, I won't check my social media usually after five, you know, because of these things. That's so great. Yeah. Yeah, Because of these things, because I will, I care about my clients and I want to help them and I want to respond to what they're saying. So I I see it and respond. There's like a sliver of guilt. I think also for us, you know, I think that we've built these really strong relationships with these people that we really don't like to not be available at any time. And I think a lot of them turn into friends. A lot of them turn into family. And of course we're not turning our phones off for family or friends. So I feel like sometimes that Mm -hmm. line gets blurred and you just want to be available for them. But I wholeheartedly agree with you. I take really long breaks from social media all the time. Um, I'll delete the apps from my phone. I have a social media manager. I think micromanaging is extremely important once you get on your own, when you're able to, of course, that's not a possibility for everybody. But when you can't afford it or trade or something like that, you know, when you're not, you don't have the funds. Um, I think it's so important to have other people to help you. And I love what social media feels like way too much. And 90% 90 of the time it really does. It's very overwhelming. I think the comparison beast kind of comes out and makes you feel really bad and that you're not doing what you should be. And that like, they're going so much further. And I think it gets really hard to remember that everybody is on their own journey and um, the timeframe, there's no timeframe, there's no due dates or deadlines. You know, I think social media makes us feel that there is. Mm -hmm. And I think regular breaks are super important. And then you know, it doesn't mean that you have to be completely offline. I have, um, so I have somebody who handles my social media, like the posts are still getting posted. The reminders are still getting met, you know, um, your work's still out there. And it's actually really funny. Um, that first I thought taking the breaks would just like my social media would crash. I'd lose all these followers and I will come back from the the breaks with followers, more followers than I had when I left, you know, so it's so funny. Social media is such a crazy be solid of its own and it doesn't work the way that you think it does yeah and so I think that we have this piped up like you have to be on it 24 7 to get anywhere and you really just don't yeah well I I mean one of the one of my core beliefs as a business owner one of the things that I teach my clients is rest brings money in mm-hmm. like the more you like if you truly rest and allow yourself rest and give yourself rest you will make so much more money Absolutely. I think that I, I, I mean, I say this all the time to my clients and my students, like you cannot pour from an empty cup. Right. Like if there's nothing left to give, like my brows are not coming out as well, you know, like my work in studio is not coming out well. I'm exhausted. I'm not making breaks for myself. Like there's just nothing is going correctly. And then if you take five seconds to take a step back and really rework, and my husband's great at reminding me of this, like he'll do a check-in in the beginning of the week. Like you have breaks this week, right? Like you're not just working straight <laughs> through. Like it's the little things that make a big difference. It's the yeah. taking those couple days that you have off to like prep for your week and yeah. you know just taking that time for yourself is so important and I think like we talked about like working 24 7 part of that working 24 7 needs to be like self-care and carving out time for yourself and you know distancing yourself from stuff that's overwhelming yeah whatever it may be you know social yeah. media or otherwise so I think that I think you're hundred percent right. Like we can't do more. We're, we're people. Yes. And I think at the end of the day, we really forget that we think like we take on our businesses, especially like they're ours. Like, yes. I am my business. Correct. And we think that we're like these superhumans that can just keep running and running and running. And we're not an engine. We're a human. No. Like, 
we need breaks and it's so important and honestly I think it's taken me a few years to even wrap that around my head like it's very difficult to make that realization because you just feel like the second you turn off everything's gonna fall apart yeah and it's just not true and I think um last year in my business I went really really hard come reeling off of COVID it was Mm. so scary and then really kick-started everything. This year, I took an entire step back. Mm. I was like, I cannot keep going at this rate. The burnout was astronomical. And this year, you know, um, TMI started therapy, started working on myself, really working on that self-care stuff. And my business is doing exactly as well as it did last year. You know, I think if you put in the work to make these like, not necessarily like put in so much work that your business is doing great, but put in these like really, um, particular steps to make your business run the way it needs to so that it can run without you being like breathing down its neck Mm -hmm. you know so that you can take a step back and enjoy yourself and your time and you know that free time that sounded so wonderful when you got into aesthetics we need to like enjoy some of it and yeah I notice that every single time I take a good, like really good deep breath break, um, I come back with some fire. Like I'm so totally. excited to get back to work. I have so many more ideas. My creativity is 10 times higher than if I allow my burnout to get the best of me. And I've, like you said, it just brings in money. And I think once we let go of that thought that if I'm not on 24 seven, I will not make any money. It comes in much better. <laughs> it's crazy. Like your books will fill. I mean, anytime we have a slowdown, you know, we panic, like mm-hmm. my books aren't as full as they normally are, blah, blah, blah. And I do that in the summertime. There's two months in our town that it dies. Like everything yeah. goes to the wayside. I'm not as busy. I have a lot of free time. And it's literally taken me a few years to realize that like, that's when I should be taking extra courses, you know, yeah. use that time appropriately. And now I'm going into, you know, now we're going to holiday season and I'm completely slammed and it's just an yeah. ebb and a flow yes. that happens. And it takes a long time to not be panicked by the lulls or by the busy season. And I yes. think that it takes a while to just get comfortable and allow things to just move. Yeah, naturally. totally, totally. It's true. And all businesses have ebbs and flows. Absolutely. Like Target. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. My dad, um, the reason I actually wanted to be self-employed was my father um, owns a couple businesses in town and he is a self-employed guy. So I grew up seeing that. Mm. And it's so funny to me that it took so long for like that lesson to kind of settle in because I've seen it firsthand, like businesses have and flow and it just is what it is. I mean, he worked really hard in one business until he bought the next one. And then, and then it was funny because it was like, that one was coasting and then he had to put in hard work in the new one. So it's like, you see that a lot, the ebbs and the flows are hard. And I felt that when I started my threading training, you know, that was essentially a new business, Mm -hmm. um, you know, under my current one and my current one's doing well, you know, you have the clients and the schedule, but the you know, the training is a whole different ball game and it's a yeah. brand new business and, you know, it's not as busy, but it doesn't feel as scary because you have that secondary business sure. that's doing well, but it's the same thing. You know, that yeah. one's ebbing and flowing and sometimes it's busier and sometimes it's not, but it's definitely a very difficult lesson, I think. And it's, it's scary. It's all scary, especially <laughs> when all of the weight falls on your shoulders. You know, yeah. it's just, it's a lot to take in, it but is. it's all worth it. <laughs> you just have to stick with it. <laughs> it is. I mean, I think it's not, a, there's not like a magic pill that you just no. like, then your business is just like easy. And it's like, even as your business grows, like I want to talk more about like threading and all that, but like you decided to start teaching, which I also want to talk about that too, yeah. but that like there's ups, like it, 
we think that once we get to a certain point, then it's just going to be easy, but then like you want to do more and then that's going to be hard too. And that's okay that it's hard. Yes. That's such a great point because it does feel that way. Like you kind of get a handle on it, but then it's so funny because what the second you feel like you kind of have a handle on it, you want to do more. Like it's, it's such a thing with, I think honestly, not even just aesthetics. I think small businesses in general, the second we get excited about something and then it grows and then it Mm -hmm. grows and it grows. But in my opinion, I think that's the only way that businesses thrive. You know, you're, and I think that what it shows is that the owner is excited still. And I think that any time that if I were to enter any, not like, avenue or anything like that where I wasn't still super excited about it I would really need to take a step back and be like what is different because every aspect of my business that I've started or moved to I've been excited Mm -hmm. and I think the best way to tell whether you're doing the right thing or not is still having that passion and that excitement yeah if it's really not lighting you up maybe you need to take a step back and be like is this for me or is this not for me because I've definitely made those decisions and been like, no, like I did facials for a while. And I think last year, I think around last year, I completely stopped and took Mm -hmm. them off my, off my menu. And it was the best decision I'd ever made. Totally. I felt like a huge weight lifted when I didn't have to occupy two spaces because as you know, skincare and brow care are completely different. I mean, skincare and hair removal are two sides of an aesthetic coin and they're completely opposite. And it was just so nice. I mean, I firmly believe that the jack of all trades is a dying era there's just no way to do it all and I felt so split trying Mm -hmm. to keep up with skincare continued education and brow care continued education and it was pinching my money I mean my revenue stream was so strapped because it's expensive it's so expensive to learn all those things and especially with skincare it's a huge investment and you have to get those those retail items sold or they expire you know there's a lot of pressure that comes from skincare and I wasn't excited about it as much when then I switched and I took those off my um menu and I just had the brows and I've done you know so much more training and I've stepped up that whole brow world and you know began my own training and like all of those things like so many different windows open the second mm. I let go of another one that I I just felt so tied to that and you and you know I mean at working with acne you clear somebody and you just are like I don't want to let my baby go <laughs> you know yeah. you're like you're so proud of them and so it was a very scary step but like I said, you know, I just feel like a huge weight was lifted and yes. I could just, my vision cleared. I could see exactly what I needed to do next. So, um, I love that too. Cause I think, I mean, you know, people can do whatever they want. I, I do encourage people to do whatever feels right to them, but if they are mm-hmm. doing multiple things out of scarcity and they think that's the only way, then it tends to be disastrous. Now I do recommend if you have multiple clients and making different ways and you don't have enough money to go out on yes. one thing, then definitely keep doing that until you have the money. I did facials up and t- up and for a long time until I didn't need them anymore. Cause I was yeah. doing enough money in acne. And I think that, um, like now versus five or six years ago, there's so many different ways to still like do both. Like there's so many companies that like don't require you to have like Glymed. Glymed has an online page. So you don't actually have to have an inventory. Right. So I think there is a lot of avenues to still make your clientele happy and still get like, you know, I, I totally agree with you. I'm not saying that you can't do it all. And I would never want you to like turn a client away because they want to get everything done with you and not have to go multiple places. I believe in that. I wholeheartedly think that that's a very real um, concern with some clients. Some clients really do just want to come in and see one person. And I get that a lot of our services are very intimate. And if they feel comfortable and competent with you, I understand them not wanting to go find somebody else or re-explain everything that they're looking for. I totally think that makes sense. I think it's just the side of not stretching yourself too thin. If you can't physically do it, you can't physically do it. Totally. 
or just, or just doing it because you think you have to do it. Yes. Absolutely. You know, more than like, it's just working for your business right now. And then maybe you'll reevaluate as, as time goes Absolutely. On, you know, and when I first started, you know, I was doing facials because it helped fill the schedule. Exactly. You no, know, I really enjoyed, I enjoyed it. I mean, we love skincare, you know, a lot of people in the aesthetics, we just love skincare from in general. It's yeah. a lot of really big pull to want to be in this industry. And I totally agree with you. Like my threading clients, which was my, you know, niche and my specialty, they're 15 minute appointments, you know, like that's a very, very large amount that you need to fill that schedule. So at the time facials were just a really good way to keep my books full and be busy because the worst thing, I think even more so than stretching yourself too thin is an empty book when you're just sitting there doing nothing and not making any income and just watching the money go right out because you know, your rent, your overhead, everything still needs to be paid, whether you're busy or not. Yeah. So I wholeheartedly believe in that. And I think that at the end of the day, it's really just doing what feels right to you and what is within your wheelhouse. Like, can you yeah. afford it? Is it bringing in money? Whatever's making things work appropriately for you at the time. And then you just grow from there. And yeah. I think that in any business, you're never, ever, ever going to be dead set on one opinion from the start. Everything yes. changes. And I think it's always going to keep changing. Totally. I mean, I don't know where I'll be in five years. Maybe I won't be doing brows anymore, you know, but yeah. I think that we need to allow ourselves to grow and evolve yes. as our business grows and evolves. Totally. And the world grows and evolves and yeah. changes and things. COVID, we saw like, that change. The, yeah. Went. The podcast didn't exist, you know, I don't know how for 10 many years, 10 years ago. Right. Or like, yeah business coaching wasn't a thing. What I do now, Absolutely. Like, what, like, if you told me when I graduated esthetician school, I was going to be as a business coach. I'd been like, you're crazy. Yes. <laughs> you know? like, what are you no, no, it's so true. I mean, uh, I don't even think that like courses, like what right. I do with my threading, that wasn't a reality a no. few years ago, you know, I mean, even like brow lamination. I mean, there's so many yes. people that have their own private courses for those. I love that. Like, but it's, yes. it was not a reality, you know, it wasn't even a thing. No, not at all. So it's so crazy. Yeah. No, everything's going to adapt. And I think at the end of the day, if I were to tell anyone who wants to be their own business owner, one rule is just to be adaptable. You just have to, at the end of the day, be adaptable and not in a bend over backwards, break your back way, but in like you being flexible and comfortable with change. Like pivoting. Yes. Yes, exactly. Okay. So I want to, I want to talk about, we don't have like that much. I want to be mindful of your time. So I want to talk about threading. Yeah. And what, what kind of do you to it? Why you like it? How you, like you, so you learn from the boutique job, like how long it took you to learn it. So just tell us more about that. Yeah. So, um, I think originally it took me about a month to learn, okay. uh, being in there with, um, my, the owner of that boutique, um, hand, hand teaching me, um, we started just getting the motions, um, going and everything like that. And then started practicing on clientele, pretty much similar to like, uh, learning how to wax, you know, okay. you start the basics knowledge, and then you go into moving with models and kind of getting the flow of things. Um, the big difference is that, um, threading is not regulated by our state board. So there's oh. actually no, um, regulatory board for threading. It doesn't follow, fall under, um, it's not that it doesn't follow under fall under our scope. It's just not anywhere. So it's like a really weird gray area. I would say that it's not that it's illegal to do. It's just not not illegal, and it's not <laughs> under anything. You know what I mean? So you it's have not a license. Like, you don't have to have a license. You to don't thread. have to have a license. No. Wow. So it's very interesting. But it's funny because even if you were to look it up, like there's not a ton of information on it in general. You okay. know, like 
not on not being under the board and then also just like no information regarding like what should be done how it should be done there's none of that so when I was doing it and people were getting really excited about it um and the longer I was doing it the more I was like why isn't there education for this like it seems really crazy because even like you know there's a lot of different avenues that you can go in aesthetics but they still have some level of education. I mean, even uh, eyelash extensions when they're yeah. at the very, very beginning, there was still a lot of education about it. So that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I was like, this is very foreign, very weird, but I wanted to understand what I was doing. So I really just focused at first on trying to get the hang of it, learning it. Um, and the real reason that we were obsessed with it is the fact that it has no contraindications. Right. So the, I love, love, love the all inclusivity, you know, we're not turning people away. We're not saying, Hey, you're on retinol. Hey, you're on Accutane. Hey, you're on this, or you just got right. a chemical peel. We don't have to turn anybody away. Right. We're also not damaging the skin. You know, the yeah. fact that we don't have to turn people away means that we're not doing harm to the skin. And I love that aspect. And I do also feel like it fits in really well with the times because I think over exfoliation is a really, really large concern right now Yeah. Um, with the amount of over-the-counter products. I mean, Ulta and Sephora, there's just so much and people, TikTok, I mean, there's, it's just screaming in people's faces that they need yes. to be doing stuff. The fact that um, skin cycling is like trending right now, I'm like so stoked <laughs> because over exfoliation is so bad. Yeah. So um, from the brow side and as from like a waxer's point of view, it's scary. Mm-hmm. I have no idea whether they're filling out that consultation appropriately. Yeah. Or they even know that they're exfoliating too much. Totally. They can just be like, I use this serum or I use this cleanser and had no idea that no there's idea. Yeah. So I love the idea that I can with good conscience thread anyone and not be concerned that I'm going to completely wreck their skin. Right. Or deal with that fallout of a skin lifting and like having yeah. to give them aftercare for that. Like it just sucks. And like you feel bad. Sure. Like it's not a comfortable situation at all. Terrifying. So I just love that flexibility, not turning anybody away. Yeah. And um it's I mean, I personally love the look of it. I feel like it's very sharp. Mm-hmm. Um I always kind of joke that from somebody who's a beginner, you have almost a built-in ruler. You can use that thread, that piece of thread to map a little bit as you go yeah. and, and consistently remind yourself that like, Hey, th- those are even things are even we're going, doing well. And, um, I think that's something that's kind of hard to do with waxing. Yes. And I love that threading you have a clear view of what you're working with the entire time. Yeah. Um, I think we've all been there. You lay that, that wax strip down and you're like, please do not move or grab the wrong hair or anything like that. It's scary. Yeah. Um, especially soft wax. You put that strip on top and you're like, oh my God, please don't like move. Yes. <laughs> I lay it, anything like that. So yes. I think it's a very easy, easy thing to do once you get the hang of it. Yeah. Um, Cause it's, it's definitely a tricky thing at first. Mm-hmm. Um, and it takes some time, but sure. Uh, yeah, I just love it for the clientele. I just feel like it's such a wonderful way to remove hair and not turn people away and knew, know in good conscience that it's not causing any damage. Yes. Um, and I have seen in my experience that it is, in my personal opinion, I know probably an unpopular opinion, it's the safest way of, of hair removal in my opinion. Yeah. Um, the fact that the thread actually wraps around the entire length of the hair, I feel like it's even better than tweezing because, you know, tweezing, we have a pinch point of where the hair is being removed. And in, sen- in a sense, you know, as we've all learned, any kind of strain on that follicle before that hair is being pulled can cause damage. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, all of us in proper waxing, proper anything, you want to make sure that, that that integrity is there. And the fact that the hair is being completely wrapped around before being removed, it's the most even pull. 
and I mean if done correctly of course um but you know I don't see damage I don't see breakage I don't see um ingrowns um you know there's a lot of really big benefits that I all of the red flags that you see when people are like I don't know about waxing I'm really concerned or acne clients I mean I had so many acne clients like I can't get waxed I can't get waxed whether they're on those crazy um topicals or anything like that or not you know it's just a concern in general and another thing that I feel like people don't really love is the pre pre the prep and post care you know a lot of waxes companies use oils Mm -hmm. um to remove and they're never you know they're cheap they're a cheaper product because you know you're using a lot of it throughout the day so I totally understand why the companies design them that way but for the clientele I do see the concern Mm -hmm. Um, so I love the fact that if they don't want me to even remove their makeup that day I don't have to you don't have to I love having that flexibility um for and and every avenue and like we mentioned earlier just picking up and going you know I can go anywhere um I've gone as far as meeting like another salon owner at her place of business because she couldn't even take a break so I just like walked over and did her brows and left so I love the flexibility in that sense as well um and, you know, everybody just, you know, they love it. And I think that my number one concern at the moment is just like getting the education out there because I do feel like it's one of the things that does have a bad rap because it's not done appropriately. Got and it. I okay. think that all circles back to like lack of education. Oh, okay. I, I mean, I have, I know so little about threading, so I haven't heard good or bad about it, but I, I've heard this less painful. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like I've heard like horror stories in the sense because threading, you know, it does need to be done in an appropriate way. Um, so if it's done inappropriately, there's obviously issues the same with waxing. So sure. they can, um, the thread can actually grab the skin. If the oh, skin okay. is not being held appropriately, we need extremely taut skin. Okay. Um, when we're threading like the under eye area. And I've heard of a lot of clientele coming in and being like, well, I went to this place in the mall <laughs> already a red flag. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And they like cut my skin or they did a really bad shaping job. And I think that like every concern I've heard is lack of education and like there's no one telling them that like you need to do this and you need to do that here's your certificate you know like there's just no information out there so I really genuinely understand why it's done inappropriately so many times and threading is actually the oldest form of hair removal yeah in China and India and it's actually one of those things that was passed down yes it was never formally taught anywhere people were just like mothers and daughters were just sharing um this way of hair removal and especially in those like in India you know they're, they're doing hair removal a lot earlier on than we do yeah and so I love that aspect of it I think that's such a beautiful thing and I just, all I want is to add to it. I just wanted yeah. to like add to this wonderful culture. Um, and of course do it safely and sanitary. Um, a lot of people you'll see, especially in that culture, um, they either loop the thread around their neck and oh. then thread that way, or they have it in their mouth. Yes, so a lot mouth, of people have mouth threading. Um, it's so gross. I mean, this, the saliva travels down that thread and it's like hands down touching the clientele. There's just no (laughs) way it can't. It's so gross. gross. And so I remember when I actually got the call for the boutique that I worked at, she was like, you're comfortable threading. And I was like, we don't put it in our mouth. Right. (laughs) As long as we're not putting it in our mouth, I'm so down, (laughs) but I can't do it. So the hand tied method is what I call it. And it's just a loop and you only use your hands to do the threading. 
And um, I just want that out there more. And I yeah. feel like it's so funny because when you hear a threading, that's the first thing you think of. Always. The thread in their mouth. Like always. It's hands always. down. And I get that. I mean, I've been threading for a while now and I still get that in my studio. Like, sure. how are you doing? <laughs> and I totally get their concern. I mean, yes. that's gross. I wouldn't want that either. So I just like, at the end of the day, I feel like it's such a cool service to offer. That's why I'm so passionate about the educational side of it. Cause I want yeah. more, more people doing it. I think that more SDs should do it. And especially waxers, like you shouldn't have to turn anybody away. You should not have to look at their consultation card or at their skin and be concerned at all. And even if you are, you can put that wax away and pull that thread out and feel confident. Yeah. You know? So I love that. I, you know, what's so funny is I was telling one of my clients who was like upset because her client had like done something to her skin and didn't forgot to tell her. And she's like, how, how is that possible? And I was like, oh, I know how it's possible. Like I'm an esthetician. I know how these things work. I had a baby and, you know, baby brain is real and you have yeah. like, no, like I couldn't maintain details. Yeah. And so I started using retinol again. Cause I had finally stopped breastfeeding and I totally forgot that I was using retinol and I went and got my eyebrows waxed. Yes. Totally it's forgot. such an easy thing. And, and I'm an, like, this is like, I know this. Yeah, like, you're I, like, know. I know what you're not supposed to do and we can still do it. It's and I mean, so common. My, my skin didn't lift. I'm using like a really low retinol, but it was like very sensitive. I'm like, why is this hurting? Yeah, and it so hurts. Much? It's definitely more painful. Yeah. And yeah. But like, but like the skin was sensitive for a few days and I was mm-hmm. like, why is this stinging? And then I was like, yeah. You go to put on your retinol and you're like, that's why. That's why. Like I, went, I remember we went to go grab it and I was like, you, that's you, why, you, know? yeah, you are the reason. <laughs> it's so true it's though. True, right. And like, I, and I've, you know, but you know, anyway, so that, that's just the thing is, is people sometimes, even if they think they have told you everything, they may not realize they have. Cause no, I mean, I had happening. a, I had a client who was using, um, Cetaphil and she was like, no, it's really low. Like it's so easy. It's super hygienic. It's not doing anything. She sends me a photo and right there in the bottle, giant S a salicylic acid. I'm like, no, it is exfoliating though. So it's so easy. Yes. And like there, I mean, as much as we try to preach education on social media, whether you're a skincare person, brow artist, whatever yeah. it may be, it's going to get missed. Like it's oh, going to yeah. get missed and we don't carry those over the counter products. So I can't with Emma going online and being like, this one has salicylic acid in it, <laughs> you know, and they can go to the store and just pick totally. it up off the shelf and have no idea that no it's idea. in there. And the other problem is the marketing strategy. That essay, that's terrible. They're not even telling you what it is. That's so ridiculous. You have to read fine print on the back of the bottle to know what that is. What they did read was for bumpy skin. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Of course you grabbed it. Like who doesn't have a little texture? So the other problem is definitely the marketing. And I think that's why I, I mean, I will literally, if I have a client come in and I'm like, I don't know, we should thread, I will move them to threading. Like, even if they're coming in for a wax, like I switch yeah. people all the time just totally. because I feel more confident in it. I'm not going to hurt you. There's not going to be any problems. Of course, you know, um, just like anything, there can definitely be some issues like more elderly skin can be a little bit trickier. Okay. Um, full face threading can be a little bit trickier. It takes a lot of technique. Um, and additive products like um, powder and stuff can help the thread glide across the skin a little bit easier, not catch. So there's definitely tips and tricks that make it easier and less complicated. And I hear a lot, especially from like like my students, um, oh, well, I worked on YouTube and I tried to learn how, and like, I totally get it. You know, a lot of us can learn from video. I mean, given COVID, you know, like there's so much training that you can do virtually now. You don't actually have to go do in person. 
Um, but I do feel like it's very helpful to have those extra additives, like the tips yeah. and tricks and recommendations and products and things like that. So my students get like a full manual. Um, they get a video portal on my website with like broken down little clip videos, um, like a f- watching me do a full face, um, threading 101, like different things like that, where to get your thread. Um, they also get a discount with another esthetician, um, Emily at the Brow Fox. Adore her. She carries the powder that I use mm. that I was just talking about. She mm. makes it so it's talc free, which love that. And um, they get a one-on-one with me for the training as well as like a one or two month follow-up just Amazing. to see what they need help with. So I just feel like that helping hand can really make anything. Yeah. And I feel like any trainings that I've ever done when they have that extra mentorship added to it, you just like can thrive so much easier. Totally. So I think everything can be difficult. And especially if you are somebody who like started out with waxing and like, that's your cup of tea. It's really tricky to switch to something. Totally. Different. I mean, I would never call myself a waxing expert because threading is my, you know, specialty. Yeah. So yeah, I just feel like it's so all inclusive and I like can't say that enough, but I just I love, love not having to turn anybody away. And I love providing that for my students because especially when you're new, you don't want to have, like, you got that person a book and then now you have to be like, I can't do it. Right. That sucks. Like you don't want to lose out on that money. You don't want to lose out on that client. You also don't want them to like have you rubbed the wrong way yeah because I do feel like even if we're being proactive and being so helpful towards the client we can look like we don't know what we're talking about when we say we can't do something totally so I hate that feeling it's so uncomfortable even if you're trying to do them justice it's nice to just be like let's do this instead and then you yes. just you sound more educated you yes. sound like you know how to troubleshoot stuff which I also feel like is a really big thing in our industry Yes. Okay. So we don't have much time left. So I want to, I want to ask you two things. Um, first, can you thread other parts of the body besides the face? Like bikini? Um, so technically you can, um, it just takes a really long time. Got it. So one of my clients said that when she was overseas, uh, she forgot a razor and she didn't want to buy one kind of be like that. She's she got full leg threading. I guess they do overseas leg. Okay. Leg and it took like eight hours. So that's why we don't do that. We just stick to the face here. Okay. So yes okay. and no. <laughs> okay. Okay. So tell us about if they want to be a student with you, how that works and how they can find you and how much it costs and all the details. Absolutely. So, um, you can find out like literally everything about me on my website, uh, which is www.theeyebrowgoddess.com. Um, there's my training is all laid out on, um, its own little tab on my website. Um, there's uh, information there broken down. And then there's also, um, a little, little sign up sheet, um, or you can just book it. And then I send you the information after that. Um, I ship your kit directly to you, which is a kit that should honestly last you um, a year worth of clients, if not longer. Threading is very flexible in that sense. I think one spool of thread, um, which is about $4, lasts me anywhere from six to nine months. And I see anywhere from 10 to 22 clients a day. So you can get a lot out of that, um, which is really awesome. I, the low overhead is a huge part of why threading is so wonderful and an easy thing to take on, you know, to add, you're not like skincare can be a lot to take on. You have to do a really big buy-in. So it's nice to have a small overhead to bring in a new service. Um, and Instagram is also another place that has a lot of my information, which is at the dot eyebrow dot goddess. Um, on IG and I definitely share about my threading training there as well okay. with lots of tips and tricks. And I try to do, try to make my Instagram very educational as well. Yeah. And then how much does that cost the whole thing? Um, so I do two different tiers of my training. Um, they're all virtual at the moment. 
Um, I only do in person for my area mm -hmm. um, in particular, although travel, you know, reach out to me via, via email. We can always talk about that. But my beginner one is $500 and it's anywhere from two to four hour training um, course, which we can do all at once or break up. And then I have a masterclass, which I do require approval because I want to know that you do have a good sense of how to do brows. And we don't have to touch on that as much as just the technique of the threading. And that one is 300. Okay. Fantastic. That's it. I mean, yeah. if you, that's, those are great prices. If you want to learn to thread and he knows, I mean, I, I think it's one of those things that people don't really know a lot about and they think yeah. they use the mouth. And so it's really yes, good. exactly like, hand tied guys. Hand yeah, tied. So much. And like, yeah, if you, you know, there's, it could be such a great opportunity if, if hair removals for you, but waxing isn't, yes. um, or sugaring isn't it does pair well with an acne style clinic. Yeah. You know, if you have a concern that your clients are going elsewhere and getting waxed and you're worried that they're not divulging all the information that they need, you can do a real quick thread and add yeah. on to your treatment. Now you've made a little more money and now you're making sure that your client's say, uh, skin safety is staying in, intact. So mm -hmm. I think it's a really great add on to a lot of different people, even if that's not your niche, yeah. it's really cool to provide if you have any sense of like concern for their skin. Yes. And how, and how much do you charge for your, um, thread? So maybe? when I opened my business, I charged $15 for a brow shaping and now I charge 25. Yeah. I would say definitely at least over 20. Okay. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Giving you unsolicited advice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, if you ask my opinion, I would think you should do like closer to 30, but you know, yes. And I do do price increases, you know, regularly. Okay. I try to do one at least once a year. Okay. Um, I just recently upped my brow lamination and all of those ones. Okay. Um, because that the benefit, another thing of fretting, you know, um, I have increased those product prices because the products got more expensive with inflation. My threading has not changed in all of the years that I've been uh, um, self-employed. So that price point for that spool of thread has stayed exactly the same. Still four dollars. <laughs> yes, exactly. So you know we're working with pennies per service, you know, yeah, overhead. Less so than pennies. Yes, exactly. So it's really, really nice um to have that flexibility and not feel pressured to to continuously up that charge for brows. Cause I do feel like out of everything, that one's the one that people go, why is it more? You know, I think yeah. that, that they question that one a little bit. So it is nice to have a low overhead and not have yeah. to be concerned if you're worried about upping your prices. Yeah. Yeah. And still up your prices because the yes. skills, what they're paying for as absolutely, well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's all this, it's all the invisible stuff that they don't yes. see that we're charging yeah. for. Absolutely. Wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> oh my gosh. Megs, this is so fun. I love learning and talking to you and learning about your story and everything. It's so and great. You. I feel like we've been Insta friends for a while. So I this know. is awesome. I know. And for the listener, um, I think I asked you to come on my podcast in the spring. I think so too. <laughs> what did we talk about? Working 24 seven being far too busy. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely now almost fall. So, yeah. you know, it just, it's, well, for me really, it's, um, I have a child and I have very limited child care. So yes. it's really like, I don't have a lot of time. Yeah. Um, that's really my my thing. So Absolutely. anyways, thank you for being patient with me and, and waiting to come on. I so appreciate it. Yes. Um, it was so much fun. I enjoyed this chat. If you are an acne specialist and you don't feel confident treating acne, you don't feel confident talking to new clients about the program, about how the products work, how to become compliant and, and change their lifestyle and diet then you need to join the Confident Acne Specialist group coaching program that I offer. It's an eight-week group coaching program where there's a new topic every week that you learn. 
And then we have a Zoom group coaching call where we really go over the emotional side of being a business owner that people find so, so challenging, especially when you're new. We talk about consultations, client compliance, marketing, client boundaries, client retention, rebound acne, time management, business systems, and pricing. It's an eight-week group coaching program, and by the end of the eight weeks, I guarantee that you will, will be so much more confident in treating acne and your abilities as an esthetician. So if you're interested, you can go to theestheticiancoach.com forward slash group coaching. I can't wait to see you there.